Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Racetech. Racetech suspension and engines, absolutely unreal, and those gold valves are pretty much a revalve in a box. And then we also have to thank our good friends over at WUSA. Best place in the world to get yourself a brand new set of wheels. Let's be honest, your current set of wheels is probably egg-shaped and need to be replaced at least two or three years ago. Do yourself a favor, get yourself a brand new set of wheels from W, and uh, you'll be glad you did because when you mention Big MX Radio, you're going to save some money on a brand new set of wheels, and you can put that money towards actually getting going out there and getting some throttle therapy. So thanks to our friends over at W for hooking us up with that. And also with Luxon MX, you can enter discount code BIGMX at checkout and save 10%. Your average set of triple clamps, probably going to run you about $1,000. So that's Big MX Radio just tossing you 100 bucks towards your bike handling just that much better. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a great friend of mine, someone who uh, I've looked up to for a long period of time. Him and I have had uh, a lot of great conversations and uh, honestly a great driving force uh, within the podcast and someone who uh, was honestly one of the first people who had faith in Big MX Radio and one of the original sponsors of Big MX Radio and proud to have them on now. That is none other than John Anderson from WSA. John, welcome back to the show. Brad, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's always good to catch up with you and uh, talk racing and business and just life, right? So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, bud. Absolutely, and and off air, we both established that the two of us are uh, are do not shy away from uh, going on a road trip. And uh, I think I just had the idea that at some point. Somewhere down the line, uh, you and I, I have to fly down to Orange, California. Uh, maybe there's an air mattress that we can set up on your living room floor. And then the two of us are going to uh, load up into uh, the Sprinter or uh, whatever contraption that you've got uh, set up to go on a road trip. Uh, we'll, we'll, throw the, uh, we'll throw something in the 8-track player and just let that thing loop while we tell some stories. That sounds like a good time. I, I can't promise you the 8-track works because I think I get... I'm getting up there in age, but I, I've uh, I've given up on the eight track, Brad. But okay. uh, but hey, there's always podcasts or heck, member CDs. So uh, yeah, that'd be a good time. But uh, we'll have to do that sometime, for sure. Fair enough. Maybe uh, maybe your Sprinter van doesn't have an eight track. Although uh, um, one uh, use piece of useless trivia is the fact that uh, eight tracks were actually developed. Um, from originally being used for uh, radio commercials uh, because they, they play on a loop. They don't stop. For those who are old enough to remember 8-tracks, uh, there was no like end of the tape where you'd have to rewind or something like that or flip the tape over. Uh, it was just an endless loop, so um, they were used for commercials back in the day. Nice. I didn't know that, and uh, I can say I'm, I'm, I've been the proud owner of an 8-track player uh both in my car and home but uh but not anymore but that's interesting uh interesting to know that learn something new every day brad dude i'm full of useless uh facts and stats sometimes they're even about motocross so john (laughs) yeah wheels are a luxury item for for most in the sport of motocross uh which is already a not cheap sport whatsoever uh but given that fact how has W been so successful in providing basically what would be considered to be a luxury item uh, since you first opened up shop? Well, that's an interesting question for sure and, and observation. You know, I mean, 
uh, wheels and a luxury item. Yeah, I guess technically they are, right? Because the motorcycle comes with wheels. Now, uh, I think that I could put the spin on it that, you know, it comes with a great exhaust system too, right? But most people change that out also. Um, they come with graphics. Most people change that out as well, right? So, you know, when, when we started W, obviously it was a, a unique opportunity for us to, to, to have our own business coming from White Brothers. Um, we did see at that time there wasn't much of a market, if you will, or I should say a, a need for, for uh, like, say, custom wheel sets, meaning, you know, colored spokes and different color rims, right? Because it was always, even back in the days, right, it was silver rim, black rim, you know, maybe a colored hub, whatever. But, um, yeah, we, we kind of went down the road of trying something different, right? different color nipples and, and, and spokes and whatnot. But, you know, I think that for us, um, again, it goes back to, like I said, about the exhaust system thing. It's, it's a way for consumers to maybe make their bike a little bit more personal to them, right? So, uh, as I mentioned, people often change a lot of things on the bike right out of the get-go. And do they have to change the wheels right away? I mean, for recreational riding or local racing or whatever, no. Um but if they want to really make it their own, then and something, obviously, the, the wheels that we sell are stronger than stock. Um, and yet they look different too, right? It's not just a cast hub. Now you're talking about an anodized billet part. Um, and then you can kind of make it, you know, maybe you ride a Yamaha, but you like red also. And you can put a red hub on a Yamaha, right? So, um, you know, and... and, and, and some people will do it too. Uh, you can look at it another way, Brad. I mean, um, uh, tires are expensive, right? And, but there's nothing better than a fresh set of rubber on your bike when you go racing. <sighs> so good. Um, so you could put, you know, you could have a set of your, your say, race wheels and have your race tires on it for the weekend. But during the week when you're just out, whether you get to ride a lot or just an hour a week or whatever, you know, um, just run your practice stuff and then come race weekend, put your good fresh tires on and the tires will last a few weekends as, as opposed to just a week or so. And so that's another way to look at it also. Um, so yeah, I hope that kind of answers the question, but it's just kind of a way to, um, you know, to kind of just make the motorcycle yours, um, uh, in the color choices that you like. Uh, and also, hey, it doesn't hurt that they're stronger than stock too, right? You can never go wrong with that. Especially if you're a guy like me who's uh, both either jumping a little bit too far or not far enough. Uh, that seems to be my uh, my, my jump my uh, method of jumping of choice. Uh, downsiding jumps properly is just so overrated. Um, and I will yeah. also add this small tidbit is... To me, nothing says I take my racing and my bike seriously, like a brand new set of wheels, like a, like a professionally built set of wheels. It gives the bike just a certain look that makes it just look a little bit more serious, like we came to play, uh, versus any other type of uh, like performance add-on. When someone rolls up with a, with a, a six set of wheels, um, you know they mean business. Yeah, and, and again, uh, very nice of you to say for sure, right? And, and, and we like to look at that. Uh, that way as well right because we're in the wheel business but i think the thing could be said for someone that puts you know a really cool exhaust system on their bike right or you know uh, um maybe some uh chain and sprockets you know you don't see much of the counter sprocket but the rear sprocket right so 
you can tell that someone's kind of put some time into their motorcycle when they start to accessorize it like that. And, and, um, yeah, so it's, it's just, it's kind of neat. You know, the other thing is too, with, you know, so many people that came into our, our industry that maybe were, were new to it during the, you know, the COVID times, uh, or people that just got away from riding and then got the bike out of the garage because they wanted something to do. Um, you know, now we have customers out there that they're, that, 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 that hopefully will stay in the industry or should they stay in the sport, be, uh, continue to be a fan and an enthusiast and whatnot. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of people that had motorcycles, didn't ride them anymore. And so that's a cool thing, too, we think about wheels is you can really put graphics and wheels on a bike and you literally change the look of your motorcycle. Maybe you change oh, yeah. the color of this plastic as well, but you can essentially make your bike almost look brand new with a couple small modifications, right? And the cool thing about wheels too is that, um, depending as long as, like you said, you don't maybe go flat land something or come up way short. Um, you know, usually the wheels will last for a good, 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 good amount of seasons, right? So, uh, yeah, not saying it's this investment to last you a lifetime, but, but nonetheless, it's not something that's going to be worn out in a month or six months or, you know, a big crash and maybe you bend the bars or you know, crunch your pipe or whatever, you know what I mean? So the wheels usually um, can sustain a lot of, uh, lot of abuse and keep on rolling. Yeah, not, not too many people are doing uh, huge drops like uh, Robbie Madison, who I believe was a, is, is or was a, a W athlete in the past. Um, that guy's probably uh, brought some, uh, some hubs to you with some odd-looking rims on them afterwards. Yeah, no, for sure. We had the uh, the honor and pleasure to work with Robbie on many of his jumps. You know, he he's kind of like maybe taking a, a, a still in the industry and still riding motorcycles, but a little bit different path, if you will. You know, we all get older, so those risks all of a sudden become greater, more consequences, right? Especially Robbie's got a, a young family and whatnot. But yes, we had the again the pleasure to work with him on some of those really really cool deals that he was doing and. Um, and I, I mean that sincerely, that it really is an honor when guys like a Robbie Madison trust you and the product that you sell and you build, uh, because it's an important part of the motorcycle too, right? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, Robbie's a great guy. And, and, um, uh, so yeah, yeah, like it was it. a lot of fun working with him. Yep. Perfect. My next question for you, sir, is uh, you, you've had a lot of experiences within your career uh, in the motocross industry, and we, we kind of jo- joked about it the other day where um, like it's, it's hard to think of this as a career, but all-encompassing, you making a living within the motocross industry is no small feat because there's so many people who could only wish they could do so, and you've held down a number of different jobs over the time in order to do so. Um, but I would be, I would wonder what, uh, an 18 year old version of John Anderson would say about all the things that you've been able to experience, accomplish and do during your career in motocross. Well, you know, it's funny when you say that, cause I, I don't, even though I've worked in the industry, like a lot of our industry friends mutually that we have, right, Brad? Um, but it, I don't even really look at it as a career, right? It was something that we all started with motorcycles, right? Working in the business, but it really started riding the motorcycle, right? So, and the fact that, you know, many, many years later that we're able to make a living at it and, 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 and 
again, you call it a career. I call it just what we do. It's what we do for a living. And, um, it's a rad thing to do, right? I think anybody that works in the industry, sure, it has its ups and downs. It's not always, uh, you know, roses and everything. But nonetheless, I honestly can't think of anything else that I would like to do. But, but you know, to your question, I don't know, man. When I was 18, that was a long time ago, Brad. But, um, I mean, I was racing just like you were and just like a lot of people that are probably listening or reading this or whatever. But, um I don't know to look back on that. And then you're right. Some of the experiences that I've gotten to have because of this business and this industry. Um, I mean, I've gotten to ride with Malcolm Smith, right. In Colorado from his house, his ranch. That's cool. Um, I, I don't think I've ever told you this before. Cause I don't, I don't go say this a lot, but I mean, I've gotten to fly in an airplane at Bob Hanna's house with just me and Bob. Right. That's cool. And I've gotten, to meet, I've gotten to meet so many of my heroes uh, and worked with so many of my heroes. My first set of riding gear was a Malcolm Smith riding gear, and it was the Mike Bell like signature model, if you will. Yep. And then years later, I ended up working with him. And you know, unfortunately, we lost Mike, um, uh, which was really a bummer. He was just a great guy, a great family. Um, but yeah, there's another one, right? I remember watching Mike at Super Bowl Motocross when he won. I was a kid, and then all of a sudden, I'm like traveling with him. And at one point, I, we even traveled like an overnight, and we were sharing a room together uh, in Arizona at a Supercross. And like, how cool is that, right? Yeah. So, you know, all our heroes that we looked up to, and, and and the fact that I've gotten to experience that, and gotten to travel really all over the country, uh, some parts of the world to Canada um, for some racing that we did up there. But and all through it, I got to make a living doing it. So. Did I ever think, you know, many, many years later that um, I get to do those things when I was 18? No way. But the fact that I did, um, I mean, that's priceless, right? And and, and, and and it's not like someone needed to pay me $100,000 a year or whatever, $50,000 a year to go do that sort of thing. I got to have experiences like that and around amazing people all related to dirt bikes. That's pretty sweet, right? So, um yeah, good. It's been cool. a good, good run for sure. No, absolutely. And those are the things that, uh, like, it's it's funny for those who work in the motocross industry. Um, there, there. Sometimes it can be a little bit like high school. There's some animosity here and there uh, with uh, uh, between different people. Um, but the camaraderie within the industry stems from the fact that there's like a mutual respect of people because. Like in order to have longevity in the sport, you're gonna get your head kicked in. You're gonna go. You're gonna do work that the the juice is probably not worth the squeeze. But you did it anyway because you loved the sport. You kept at it, and there's a this passion that is is akin to absolutely everyone in the industry. And because I I don't I seriously don't think you can work in the industry without having it. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why the, some of the people that are, are so well bonded within the industry have so much respect for each other because it's a fight to stay in. It's a fight even to get started. And, uh, for those who are able to stay in it for a long time, uh, they almost look at each other in a way of just saying like, glad you're here and glad that you, you stuck it out because there's a lot of people who, who try and they're, maybe they're successful for a little bit or they're able to hang on for a little bit and they ended up, 
doing something else. Um, but for those who are, are willing to uh, sort of um, hang out in the trenches of working in the motocross industry, um, there's a lot of good times to be had and uh, some great people to meet along the way as well. Listen, 100%. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, you know, off the record. And, heck, we're talking about it now, I guess, on the record. But um, you're a good example of that, to be honest with you, Brad. Thank you. This isn't blowing hot. It isn't blowing hot air up your ass. But, you know, when I found out that you got more of a full-time role at Verb, I was really stoked to hear that because I remember when I first met you, you really did your thing in this industry and the media kind of through the passion, right? You weren't making a lot of money. I do know that some people didn't make your life very easy. There's kind of like this, um, I don't know if I call it bully ment- uh, uh, mentality, but people were making it difficult for you. And the fact that you stuck through it uh, is per- says a lot. And, and I think it's cool. So when I heard you got this, this opportunity uh, with the guys at Verb, which is a well-respected media outlet, right? They've been around a long time. Yep. I thought that was pretty dang cool, dude. So you, uh, you stuck with it. You didn't give up and you persevered. So, and I, I, I told you before, I'm a big fan. I like what you do. Um, make me laugh, dude. You're pretty funny. So, uh, keep it up. <laughs> awesome. Keep well, it up. Uh, I was, I was very, very, uh, glad to hear that you, you enjoyed the verb vlogs that they, uh, had me do for world mini. Uh, it is so motocross to uh, be given an opportunity to do something that you've never done, be it uh, do a, a vlog uh, for Verb, having never done a vlog before, having never actually operated a, a, a GoPro in my entire life because I've, I've never had the, uh, the good fortune of, uh, of being able to afford one, to be completely honest. That's the only reason why I don't have one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, they, they stuck that thing in my hand and said, go man, go. And uh, yeah, baptism by, baptism by fire. I wasn't going to let them down. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we made it happen. And, uh, if I, it was, if I was able to make you chuckle, then mission accomplished. Well, you definitely did that, dude. So it was really funny. I hope you continue to carry that, that type of content and humor and just, um, yeah, all of the above, dude. I hope you can carry that over and, and, uh, you know, verbal get behind you. It's not my place to say, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a, a great leadership there at Verb, but. Um, I'd like to see you do that at some supercrosses and some nationals. I think it'd really be a hit. It's not so cookie cutter. It's something different. Bring a little humor. Yep. Everybody likes to laugh, right, Brad? So I, I hope you're able to um, carry that over and, and stay with it. Amen, brother. Well, I I, uh, I certainly appreciate it, and uh, yeah, looking to uh, to do more of that and learning about, about all the different uh, applications and the editing software. Uh, a lot of that stuff's still pretty new to me, but uh, I'll get better at it. Um, yep. For those who are not aware uh, of the connection, W has uh, some family bloodlines in it, obviously. Um, to me, is the fact that uh, Tom White, who uh, is formerly of White Brothers, uh, who happens to be your late father-in-law. Um, first of all, uh, I think I've said this on many podcasts, and I, I've re-released the podcast that I did with Tom a number of times just because I think it's so important to hear the words that he said during that hour. And um, and the two hour, two and a half hours that he spent with me at the early years of Moorcross uh, Museum is nothing short of, like, like with all respect to everybody else, all the other experiences that I've had, um, it's it's number one for me. Uh, for a guy who 
Like, there's there was no real reason why Tom needed to take two hours out of his day and skip his mountain bike ride uh, to show a kid from Canada around his uh, his museum. And he, he could have just, like, opened the door and said, hey, man, yeah, check some stuff out. He went bike by bike, whether it was the Greaves or the uh, Harley-Davidson or any of the other bikes that were there. He had a super old... Um, Suzuki 400 which was notoriously a terrible bike and he even did a, an article about it in motocross action um, he took that time and W wheels is essentially named after him of course W be, W being the first letter in white um, near and dear to your heart of course your wife as well um, it's uh, it, like the reason why W is named what it is is because of Tom and, uh, and I think it's a really meaningful thing and I think that it carries a certain amount of weight to it and I think that's cool yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, again, you know, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's family, right, Brad? So it, 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 what, Tom, you know, look, I, 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 my father's passed on now too, but Tom was like a second dad to me, but he also was my first boss in this industry. He hired me for to work at his company many, many years ago, right? And and um, you know, later in life, he became my father-in-law, and after that, he became my 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 kid's grandpa. And 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 you know, I think I said it before, um, maybe not on a podcast, but you know, most importantly is you know he became my friend, right? So um, and we miss him a lot. He's been gone five years now, and it's crazy to think that because it doesn't seem that long ago. But but yeah, I mean, W would not exist. It wouldn't we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do it, uh, nor would we have had the maybe experience or, or, or whatnot to even have our own business without the lessons that we learned at, at white brothers. And look, I can, I can say the same for a lot of people that, that came from that company, right? There's so many people in this industry today that, that spent time, whether their first job or, or not, um, working for white brothers. I mean, from Donnie Luce's at Yamaha to, to, to Bob Weber at six, at 60 helmets, right? There's just, I mean, man, there was just dozens and dozens of people and, um, that came from that company. And, and, and yeah, I mean, everything about that business or this business, I should say, I look, you know, I didn't learn it in a textbook, right? I didn't learn it at a seminar. Uh, I learned it working for white brothers. And I think that's the best job experience I could have. And, and everything that we've been able to do to this day. I mean, look, W's only been around, what, 12 years now, uh, which is crazy to think that. Uh, time flies, I guess, right? But everything that we've ever learned, um, you know, going into this, it really did come from that company. And it was a fantastic company to work for uh, with some amazing people. Um, and, and, man, that's, that's something that, that maybe college can't give you, right? It was real life experience working in that job. So uh, it was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And, and extremely well said. Uh, Tom meant a lot to, obviously, he meant a lot to me. He meant a lot to yourself. And uh, I think um, the fact that it is named after Tom is uh, is such a special thing. And it, it almost... It, I think it helps your entire crew because you are a growing business. Even since the first time we had you on the podcast, the the company has grown exponentially. Um, 
having something so impactful that a company is named after is sort of like that's the that's the spark that's the rallying cry that keeps that helps w sort of cut itself out of the herd and be different regardless of how many other companies uh come out with custom wheel sets and this that and the other thing it almost like to, to have a nfl reference it's almost like the patriot way where um like the way that, that, that Tom gave back and, and worked so hard and worked in, and, and acted with integrity, all those fu- all those fun things that that made him who he is, uh, as well as a guy who was fun to be around and ha- and was lighthearted and uh, and passionate about what he did. Um, I think that's uh, a, a great way for people to be able to buy in and uh, and exude that when they uh, when they take a position at W. Yeah, I mean for sure, um, you know. It's funny when we first started the company, Tom would, you know, he was retired. Obviously he had sold yeah. white brothers and I think he thought it was pretty cool. The name of the company and what, how we came up with that and whatnot. But what was really neat to me is a guy like Tom, who's a hall of famer and so respected by so many, we would do some shows, you know, in the beginning with Tucker Rocky or Western power sports or whatever. And, and it was an honor to even be invited, but Tom would say, Hey, can I go with you guys? And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, you want to go? And he just loved it. Right. But the, the neatest thing was he was, it was pretty cool, Brad. He was, I almost felt like he was just as proud as we are to wear a W hat and a W golf shirt or a t-shirt or whatever. Right. And, 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 and we went to some international trade shows and when you have a guy like Tom, walking through the halls in, in Milan or, or Cologne at some of the international shows and he's wearing your logo. That's pretty dang cool. Right. Because instantly they're like, Hey, Oh, you're W what's that all about? And then you get an introduction and, and then it goes from there. So the fact that, you know, we kind of had Tom on our side on our team um, really helped, I would say open some doors uh, with some distributors, certainly the media people, um, and the dealers, right? Our customers, because so many customers knew of White Brothers, they were probably a customer with White Brothers. So the fact that this was, I won't say a spinoff, but, but, but there were close family ties to that, that company, and now we were doing wheels, it, it was almost like they would take the phone call, right? So, yeah. um, and that's huge, right? That's huge, just to get an opportunity, and I think, um, you know, Tom and, and, and that relationship and, and White Brothers helped us a lot. So it was really, really cool. Certainly. Absolutely. And in some ways, I think that there was a little bit of obviously like Tom sold the business and the company, the company that took it over ended up not being successful with it. And for lack of better terms, basically ran it into the ground in a pretty short period of time. Um, I think he took a lot of pride in just how successful and, and how Dylan diligent you and uh and your wife Kristen have been uh with w and uh maybe a little bit of a, a second lease on life when it comes to uh having an impactful company uh that he could be proud of and i think that's why he he, had, he took a lot of pride in wearing that hat and you know i um i think you're right uh i really do i think you hit the nail on the head there i um put a smile on my face brad that he i think he was proud of of what what we did um, and the way we tried to, you know, look, he took a lot of our phone calls, right? We started, we still, yep. even though we've been in the industry a long time, we still had questions. Right. And, um, but I think, uh, I think he was proud of us. I do. Um, 
And I know, you know, we, 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 we carried on, you know, the tradition of the vet race, which was you've been to before. It's something that was very, very special to Tom. Um, you know, and then we had an opportunity um, with Tom's blessing um, to take it over and it become the W Vet World Championships. And, and we're coming up on our 10th year now that we've had the race as the title sponsor. And we did some things that were a little bit different, um, you know, as far as the presentation and banners and, and the podium and all that stuff. And, and I do know that because people told me that. And Tom even told me that he was really proud of the way the effort we put into that race, um, you know, to, to promote it, to, 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 to carry the tradition on. And, um, yes, I know he was very proud and it makes me very happy for sure. Love it, man. Um, so my next question for you is what are some of your most fond memories of the earliest days of your career within the sport um and how do you rekindle that feeling today maybe it's by going on those road trips that we talked about earlier well yeah i would say maybe not in the very beginning because look when i was hired to the company i was the driver right so i was just kind of the grunt um i was cleaning the toilets right whatever you do whatever you got to do um and so i don't know about the early state stages of uh of when i first started because that involved again being the driver working in shipping working in receiving um just working in the warehouse um stuffing catalogs all of the above right i would say most of my memories come later on uh when i got to do maybe some funner things right brad like yep. you know turning wrenches for my dear friend who's like a little brother to me spud walters or I got to get the two of you guys on a podcast. Complete sidebar. Yeah. Remind me yeah. to have both of you guys on. Man, well, we had some great times, man. I love that guy to death. He, so much of my growing up was with Spud, and it was only in a short amount of years, right? But you, you learn a lot about somebody and their life and um, when you're sitting next to him in a little minivan driving all over the country, right? So which leads me to, yeah, those are some of my best memories of Spud and I driving this little Astro van with, with, a, with a motorcycle in the back with a couple set of wheels and gear bag, all our clothes, gas can, toolbox, um, some extra bars and driving to Houston and to Detroit and to Minnesota, um, up to Vancouver, to Seattle. Um, man, we drove everywhere. And, and that was some of the best, best, best memories, I would say. And then on top of that was in between, you know, I was a single guy at the time and I was like, sign me up for anything. And White Brothers, I don't know if a lot of your listeners know, but White Brothers used to be pretty heavily involved in the mountain bike industry. And in fact, we made several different model White Brother mountain bike forks. And so during that time, I got to go to what then was called the Norbin Nationals. And there were, it was like the mountain bike races all over the country. And in between that, um, I got to do some Harley events which was rad, um, to go to Sturgis and Daytona and Laughlin and Laconia, all these cool places. And then on top of that, we were involved in the jet ski business and we would do the world finals at Lake Havasu every year. So, I mean, those experiences alone, think about that, right? Getting to go from jet ski to Harley to, to, to motorcycle races, um, to mountain bike races. I mean, sign me up, right? Who wouldn't want to do that? In fact, 
I knew I loved what I did when all of a sudden to be like, oh, it's payday. Oh, it is? It's like, I wasn't even thinking about that. Cool. It's payday. I, instead of looking forward to the check, it was, I mean, you know that you're into, you, you found something that you love when really it's payday and you're kind of like, oh, cool. I didn't even know. Right. So I would say those are my best memories of getting to do so many different things, travel all over the country and meet some really awesome people, other riders, customers, and or just people. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll cherish that forever. And I've gotten to see this whole country and get, got paid to do it, man. It was pretty sweet. Absolutely. We're going to dig into a few of those more, uh, those stories um, with Spud. Uh, I can't believe I've never thought to have the two of you guys on at the same time. That would be, um, that, that would be absolutely epic. Uh, in fact, I think maybe we need like try to figure out a way to get like, have be like in the same place at the same time to do it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more off air. Um, last one I have for you is, uh, if you could have any of your old race bikes that you worked on as a mechanic, uh, this should be, I think this might be a really easy one for you to answer. It might be, uh, might be a little bit more difficult because it's kind of like you choosing between your favorite children. Um, what bike, if you could have one bike that you worked on as a mechanic back in your possession, probably with a great set of, uh, of, of w wheels because you guys do do uh not just um modern bikes but uh, you'll even uh, put a set of wheels on my kx 125 or 250 um what bike would that be and why well look full full disclosure i mean my time as a mechanic was very limited right brad i mean i don't have the experiences as a mechanic look i could i could try and tell you that oh man i turned wrenches for 20 years and i simply didn't do that so right. my time as a mechanic, if you will, grips and graphics, whatever, right, was very short. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, um, so I don't know that I could say there was, and I didn't get to work on any factory motorcycles, right? Yeah, back in, I think it was 96, we had like an XR400 that we had like CR250 forks on it. And we were doing four-stroke nationals. That was pretty cool. Um so I don't, you know, 98, the first YZ400, when those came out, that was pretty cool. We had the, like, first pre-production bike. We were doing this Thunder Bike Series thing, and that was pretty cool. But I guess, I guess I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll mix up my, uh, my uh, answer to your question a little bit differently. I would say what I would really love to have is probably one of the first motorcycles that I ever rode, right, which was like a Hudaka. Um, did you have a combat wombat for that? Uh, no, I had, it was a ACE 100 is what it was. It had this chrome gas tank and it had this, I called it the whoop de doo front end on it. I'll never forget because I got it for my birthday. I know I'm sorry for Christmas. And the same day I got it, it was used. Uh, it's just me and my dad at the time. And, uh, I broke my arm on a skateboard the same day I got the motorcycle and I uh, couldn't ride it for a couple months. And I remember I'd go out in the garage and sit on it with my cast and just go, oh, this thing's sweet. Uh, so I, 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 I'm going to answer it a little bit differently. I would say if I could have something, it'd be like that. Or I remember being a little kid seeing this charcoal gray XR75 uh, Honda. That I remember okay. seeing the brochure of that. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess that, that would be my answer. I, 
I don't know any of the bikes. Yeah, we got to do some rad stuff with, with Honda and, and Yamaha on the factory level, but I never worked on those. We were the exhaust supplier for those things, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that was, you know, look, that was an honor also because White Brothers was the exhaust supplier for Honda and Yamaha factory teams with Ricky and Chad and Villaman and Wyndham and Ferry and Nathan Ramsey. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, um, those were special times also, but yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the old Hodaka, man. That would be cool. Absolutely. That, that, that uh, reminds me of when I was first getting into the sport, my dad, uh, would tell me about, um, one of his good friends, Dennis Beatty had a, uh, had a super rat, um, which was like, uh, one of the cool things I loved about Hodaka is that they had like, it, it wasn't just like CR125 or whichever, it, like they were they had all kinds of names for them and they like there was the combat wombat there was the super rat there there was uh yeah like there was the wombat um they had some really cool bikes and uh like th- that sort of thing is sort of obviously gone from the from the sport nowadays um but that in and of itself between that the, the, that 1970 75 or that the XR75 and uh and all of those vintage bikes that guys either had and wish they never sold or even more importantly sometimes John is the bikes that the kids like they saw in the magazines but they never were able to put together the money to be able to get one that's what uh motivates uh like the baby boomers today to to shell out sometimes tens of thousands of dollars uh to get um even even a, a bike that needs work in order for them to uh, call up W, get themselves some vintage wheels, and bring one of those things back to life, uh, something that they weren't able to get back in the day. Uh, for sure. And I feel like we experience that almost on the day, a daily basis, right? Where, um, because that is another part of the business that we're involved in or a different segment of the business was the vintage market, right? And we get stuff in all the time, various years and makes and models and um, and you, based on the condition of the hubs that we get in there, um, you go like, wow, this, this, these wheels, these hubs have a story to tell. And, and we really can make them look pretty dang cool again. And, you know, I, I, I ask people sometimes like, hey, you know, do you ride the bike? And some do. But quite honestly, a lot of people, exactly the point that we were just talking about, they just, it was like the first bike they ever had. And they yep. just want to be able to have that bike again. It may have been a bike that they and their, their father or a brother or an uncle, you know, rode back in the day. And they just want to have that again and, and maybe not even ride it. Maybe they just want to put it in their man cave, their office, you know. And if they're lucky enough and their wife doesn't kill them, um, <laughs> you know, their living room of their house. Because I can tell you, even at Tom's place, um, uh, my mother-in-law, there's, there's, there's a lot of dirt bikes in the house pretty much in every room of the house aside from the museum so i guess when you've got the bug you've got the bug right brad absolutely i I couldn't believe like i I had to laugh at his his pool house was completely full of dirt trackers i was like why (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and tom would probably say why not yeah exactly why not up on it right yeah yeah. so um, some people some people collect cars or or watches, or I don't know, whatever they do, if they have the means to to, to collect things like that. Yep. And Tom's was dirt bikes, motorcycles. So, um, yeah, and all that stuff still there, and and uh, it's amazing. 
yeah yeah it's it's a great it's an amazing place and you know because you've been there so yes sir well we'll close with this one this is a, one of my favorite stories that i like to tell some of the people that i've i've uh, I've, I've, I've told this a million times to people that i've met um, my dad got me into the sport, um, and he's he's a crazy moto dad. Not in the way that he would yell at me on the line or want me to win races. Is that um, he just wanted me to enjoy it at the same level that he did. And, and my dad worked uh, of like basically full time at uh, KFC in order to buy himself a RM a 1975 RM125. Uh, we're still trying to find one of those for him. Uh, and then his next bike, his last race bike, was uh, 1978 RM125. And uh, my dad has never sold any of the dirt bikes that I've ever owned. He has my 80s. He has my 125, both my 250Fs, which I still to this day question as to why he needs to have a 2006 and a 2008 KX250F. But he looks at me and says, you'll want those when you're older. And because he'd always talk about his RMs as like the ones that got away, like a girlfriend that broke his heart. And uh, about eight years ago, I saw a guy locally who was, believe it or not, racing a 1978 RM125. He'd he'd added some performance parts to it. I think he had a carburetor off a 1978 and this, that, and the other thing. It was was pretty modern looking based on the things he had added. But I asked him, I'm like, would you ever sell this? He's like, oh, I'd never sell this bike. This is like, this is my uncle's bike I'd never sell. I'm like, well, if you ever change your mind about that, give me a call. So I gave him his uh, my number. Six months later, I get a phone call from the guy because he got a brand new bike and his wife said, if you get a brand new bike, something's got to go. I asked him how much he wanted. He said $2,000. I was like, "Can you? do you have any of the original parts? He says, I can make it all original for you. About two months and $2,000 later, uh, on Christmas morning, I'll send you the video, John. Uh, I was able to present my dad with the, the, the owner's manual for a 1978 RM125 with a Bell Ray oil sticker as well as an NGK spark plug sticker, which he, of course, would have had on the rear fender of that bike. And uh, with a note that says, you can install these yourself. And he goes, install where? And I was like, come downstairs. And he walked downstairs, John, and it was like he saw a ghost. I've never, I don't see, I've never seen my dad cry like maybe once or twice ever. Probably once, one time when I, I wouldn't go to bed on time and he was just absolutely just beside himself. The other time was looking at his brand new, uh, to him, RM125 from 1978. And uh, yeah, like just completely goofed him out. And um, I, I would like to think that uh, my dad's an early riser. And more often than not, he probably walks down into his basement, flicks the lights on. He has never started that bike. It's moved probably about six feet away from where it originally was given to him to begin with. Um, And it probably will never move. It probably will never start again. Uh, But he loves that thing more uh, more than he probably loves any other inanimate object. And I'm glad I was able to give it to him. Wow. Well... I'll, not much to say to that other than um, <laughs> right. I love it, dude. I love it. That's so cool that you could do that for your father and share that together. And um, and that's pretty cool, Brad. I listen. Thank you for sharing that story. That's kind of a personal story, and um, I love it, dude. That's really really cool. So good job, man. That's cool. Thanks. No, that's that, that, like that to me. Like my dad taught me how to be 
like to have the the level of passion that I have for the sport. Like I, I'm I, I have this no quit attitude about wanting to be part of the part of the sport because that's the the work ethic that he instilled in me through his efforts of uh, supporting the family and making sure that even though he was a bricklaying contractor, sometimes I think of it now like I've worked for him for a number of years. Yeah, I've worked for my dad for a lot of years. Uh, unfortunately, at the very end of this podcast, my recording equipment oddly just started cutting out randomly. Uh, it would record a few seconds at a time and then stop. Um, but honestly, we were just about ready to uh, wrap things up with John. He had to get going. And um, honestly, every time that I get an opportunity to talk with John Anderson, it's reinvigorating is the only way I can really put it. Um the guy has such a passion for the sport and um, is so kind and so uh, so warm about uh, his approach to it and has so much passion for uh, so many different things within the sport that um, it's almost a little recharge for me. Uh, obviously, like everyone feels a little bit of burnout here and there uh, when they're working hard on whatever it is that they want to work on, whether it be a podcast or getting faster on a dirt bike or uh, yeah, trying to make their way in the industry as I am uh, and it's it's no uh, it's it's no walk in the park uh, otherwise a lot of people a lot of other people would do it um, but uh, he, he's a great guy and uh, yeah it's it's a it's a great thing to be able to uh, call him a friend and uh, have a podcast like this with him honestly uh, I hope that you guys listen to this podcast and uh, get a lot out of it um, just sort of understanding the uh, the impactfulness of the sport on somebody, how it can basically just grab hold of you and, uh, yeah, basically shape how you're going to live the rest of your life. Um, and that's certainly the case for a guy like John Anderson. So, um, check out the rest of the podcast guys. Uh, you can also find a lot more of my work on verbmoto.com. I'm releasing two to three pieces of written articles every single week, including five guys, as well as a, uh, a brand new article that came out last week called Here's the Thing, which is a little bit of an inside joke for uh, the guys over at Verb because uh, our uh, commander-in-chief, guy who kind of uh, pulls all the strings, Brent Stallo, uh, more often than not, when he goes to make a point, he will start a uh, sentence or his, his start his point with, here's the thing. And uh, I we, we just kind of like got a good kick out of the fact that he, it was basically a verbal crutch of his that he couldn't put down for a second. He would even use it uh, when trying to explain as to why he uses it. And uh, yeah, that would just drive him nuts, uh, which is just, yeah, it's more funny. But anyway, uh, yeah, a brand new thing, brand new article called Here's the Thing, where we're going to talk about uh, all kinds of stuff. The first one was about uh, individually stuck on numbers, uh, which is uh, something that we just don't see a lot of anymore, something that's sort of gone the way of the dodo bird. Uh, with the invention of pre-printed numbers and all that fun stuff. So uh, get into that thing a little bit. Uh, sometimes they'll be about uh, between 500 and 1,000 words, uh, and we'll just kind of keep those rolling. But I uh, appreciate everybody who taking the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this while you work out, hopefully uh, 47 minutes was good enough for you. Uh, if you're listening to this during a long car ride, we'd love to hear from you. And if you happen to be listening to this podcast right now and you need a set of gold valves from Racetech, all you got to do, email me, brad at verbmoto.com. And uh, yeah, the uh, first person to do so is, is going to get hooked up with a set of gold valves, courtesy of our friends over at Racetech. So thanks, checkers, and thanks, you guys, for listening. Take care.